Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I catch up with my good friend and longtime Cub member, Simon Cohen, the founder and CEO of Cohen Handler, Australia's leading buyer's agency. And now Simon is also one of the stars of Amazon's hit TV series, Lux Listings. Simon was our second episode ever, and now he's at 82nd and tons has happened in that time. We had a great conversation about how the Lux Listing show came to be, the behind the scenes scoop of how it all works. Simon gave great insight into the property market over the next few years, and even shares some tips and tricks about building a great team culture. Uh, we had a great catch up. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back. Good to be back. Mate, you were episode two and now you're going to be episode 82. Why has it taken so long to have me back? Oh, huh? 80 honestly, episodes. After, <laughs> and after seeing you now and looking so good, COVID done something good you're for buttering you. buttering me up, huh? And, uh, we definitely yeah, should have you back soon. It works. Um, but um, I'm so excited to have you back, Sai. And uh, I mean, you've had a lot on. Yeah, you're a little more famous now than you were the first time around. It's been a big year. I know. Well, I want to hear about that. That's what today. That's what I want to get into today's episode. I want to hear about the the story of Lux Listings and how this whole thing has came to be, and uh, maybe a bit of the behind the scenes uh, uh, insight from from the man himself, and and a whole bunch of things. But uh, it's good to finally catch up because me and you actually haven't caught up personally. I know we've been uh, trying, but uh, COVID kind of uh, has gotten in the way, hasn't it? Well, good. Let's get this. Let's make this the the start of a more regular thing. Uh, particularly, are we allowed to say that you've purchased a new place? I mean, it was in the newspaper. So oh, I guess so we it's are. <laughs> <true>. Yeah. <laughs> particularly now that knows. we're neighbours. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, awesome. How 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 convenient that's is that going to be? But tell us about the um, the show. Um, tell us how it came to be. The show's actually been great. I mean, the last few months have been an absolute whirlwind. I mean, you know, the show's been something that's been talked about for so long. I mean, we saw Million Dollar Listings and we saw Selling Sunset and people have been talking about doing it in, in Sydney and Australia for a long time. Um, and, you know, Gav and I and Delene, we've all been approached by various different people and people who've had the ideas, but it was when Ben Scott approached us um, and started talking about his idea and then Amazon picked it up that we all a decided I guess to do it and B we got excited about it. I mean, who's Ben Scott? Ben Scott's the creator of the TV show. He came up with the idea. Uh, he did the pilot and it was his pilot that Amazon picked up and and since then I guess Amazon's taken worldwide. But um I can't say I ever thought I'd be on a TV show. I said this to Gavin the other day. I said if there was going to be uh, uh, you know, a Lux listings, you and Gavin were going to be on it. Sure, but we never thought that there really would be and we never thought it would, you know, when you're doing a TV show and it's about your life, often every day Gavin and I, when we'd film, we'd be like, and me and Tammy and me and Delene, who, whoever I was filming with, we'd be like, how is this even interesting? Like how are our lives or what we do even, even remotely interesting? But when we watched it, we were pretty blown away and then when when it went as viral as it did worldwide, and I mean it became the biggest hit Amazon's ever had in Australian reality TV history. I mean it, that was kind of made it surreal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Seeing yourself driving past on a bus 
um, seeing yourself on a tram, seeing a billboard on New South Road. I've like seen your Instagram still. They're surreal <laughs> things. <laughs> they're surreal things, right? Yeah, I can. I, I mean, I can't imagine. I, I look can only much better imagine. highly retouched than in real life. No, mate, I'm telling you, when you walked in, I said, you look mad. You're very you flattering, great. thank you. Could be the clothes, though. It could be, it could be the clothes. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. Tammy, uh, who's worked with you for a very long time, um, yeah, she's actually become a bit of a star herself. She's now WhatsApping me right now. We're in the middle of trying to do a deal for eleven million dollars, and uh, she's uh, she's just texting well, me about it. Luckily, um, you have your priorities straight. Yeah. The podcast <laughs> is more important. No, no, no. <laughs> Clients come first. Clients of, come of first, course, of course. And and in the making of the pilot, obviously Amazon wasn't involved in that. That was Ben Scott. Was the making of that pilot dramatically different to how the episodes are made now? Very. What were the differences? The pilot was a pilot. It was like a no frills video, right? Um, it had a couple of, probably a couple of hundred thousand dollars behind it. Uh, the TV show has tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. I mean, when we film an episode, it's 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 like a movie set. Amazon do things proper. Yeah, well, tell us about it. So what is it like behind the scenes? Do you have to do makeup? It, it do depends. You, do you have like filming hours? How does it work? Yeah, yeah we have filming hours, everything is set around so we can focus on our full-time jobs, you know, the jobs that, that pay us and we love doing, the real estate part of life. Um, we have makeup, I guess, when we're doing what I call confessions, the bits when you're in the chair talking about stuff. But in the everyday stuff, I mean, you literally just have a microphone strapped on you and you're going about your business. Do you know what I mean? And you know the confessions, those, you know, when it's you talking about something that's happened, how does that actually work? Do they say, do you, like, you're sitting there, and do they show you a scene and no, then you speak? No, to be honest, you're sitting in a chair and I'm giving away secrets here, but um, it's me sitting in a chair, my producer's sitting in front of me. You can't see or, or know anyone else is there. And after a minute, you think it's just you and him chatting and he's just asking questions about different scenes and stuff like that. We're recapping about stuff. Um, and it's literally just a conversation and that's how they cut it. Ah, okay. So someone's actually asking you. Oh, it's what, very what went through your your head when Gavin it's very did this. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's very. I've never known how that worked. In all the like, uh, I mean, those who know me well they know that I'm embarrassingly a fan of the Kardashians. Well, come to Carb <laughs> Podcast for all your inside reality TV <laughs> uh, secrets. Yeah, well, I'm 100 geeking out right now. So, so, and, and then when you're filming, right? For example, the scene when you've got, uh, you know, when you're bidding on the. <laughs> on that big the block house. and then the Chinese lady comes and blows everyone out of the water. Yeah. When you're doing something like that, is it awkward to be – like do you ever feel awkward in that I'm working because you obviously are working. That, that's not staged, is it? That's work. Correct. And so you're working but you've, you're being filmed while you work. Are you almost conscious of the way you're standing? Um, and the, you know, you know the, doing, this is the funniest thing, right? Before we started filming, you think – I need to make sure my hair's perfect in every scene. I've got to stand up and have great posture. I've got to make sure my shirt's always tucked in. And literally five minutes after you start filming, you forget the cameras are there. You forget about everything. Um, and so none of that, none of that matters. You literally become so used to having a film crew there and a mic strapped to your chest that you completely forget about it. And I guess that's what makes great reality TV because it is real. But um you know, I watched I watched series one. I'm like, why was I slouching? Why did my hair look like that? Like, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Um, I didn't do any of the things I said I was going to do, but I'm kind of happy I didn't because I was just me and I feel like that turned out the best. Yeah, but in turn as well, you've obviously gone back and watched that 
and you're, you're, you, I mean, like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, so you might watch and be like, oh, I was being very relaxed, but hey, I would like to improve my posture. Funnily enough, like we're filming season two now and I reckon I'm actually more relaxed. I'm more slouchy, <laughs> I'm more of a mess. And what was your, because obviously being a part of a reality show is um, a big decision to make personally and, and with business. Um, because the reality is you don't know what the show is until it is, right? You didn't know it was going to be a Oh, it a could hit. have gone either way. Exactly. And so how did you, what was your reason for doing it and pursuing it? And what, what did you want to gain out of it? There were a lot of sleepless nights about this TV show. Um, for me, Gavin and Delene, you know, you have a show that can be cut any way. And all three of us have worked for so long and so hard to get to where we've got to, right? Um, none of us have been given anything on a silver platter. We've all fought. Um, and we finally all gotten to a place where we're up there in our careers, right? None of us take that for granted. And, you know, this TV show could have gone one way or another. It could have gone where it completely made us look like people we're not and we could have lost everything that we've worked so hard yeah, for. Change, change the reputation. Correct. Or it could have just highlighted highlighted what we do. And um, there are people who love us and people who hate us. But all in all, I think the show's done done good for us. I think it's shown a lot about what buyers agents do, how hard we work, and I think it's enjoyable. And I think like real life, people love you and hate you. So it's no different, but it was, it was a decision that we all made that we'll do it if we do it together, because we're all in it together. Um, none of us were going to do it on our own. And I know that you and Gavin have been friends for a long, long time, mm. but how, how were you connected to Delene? I've never met her. I mean, I've worked with Delene for 12 years since I started Cohen Handler. Okay. Um, she's a top real estate agent and you know, her and Gavin sell in the same marketplace. So we're all, we're all connected. And you said, um, sorry, back to the question. So when you, when it came time to, to deciding, okay, am I doing this? Was it, was it to do what, what you kind of touched on? Was it to highlight what you do as a buyer's agent or was it to build your personal brand? You know, what was the, I guess, the number one driver towards you wanting to there do? There were two drivers. Driver number one was to increase awareness about what buyers agents are. I mean, whilst we are the market leaders, there is still a huge market that doesn't know what a buyers agent does. And I really feel this show has brought that to the forefront of, of real estate, especially in Australia. And two, I think it's to, to get our, our brand out to the world. I mean, Amazon has 220 million subscribers and Cohen Handler is now known to all of those people. And that's my, just a monstrous number. Sorry monstrous. To you, sorry to interrupt Not you. at all. Just to think about that, the fact that you, 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 and, and it doesn't cost you anything. It cost me if, time. It, trust me, it okay. cost me a lot. Time. But, um, but in essence, yeah, but, to, to but, get that type of exposure, it really is the ultimate. That's the reason, you know, myself and, and, and the rest of my team are all very proud of Cohen Handler and we want, we want to share to the world what we do and how hard we work for our clients and, and what our brand stands for. And that was a phenomenal way for us to propel the brand to the entire world. Yeah, so basically the upside was far, was, was so great that it's not, it wasn't worth not doing it. You had to, you had to give it that shot. You, you had to give it that yeah, shot. I, I would have done the exact same thing. Fortunately, I'm waiting it for them to well. make a show about uh, connecting Australia's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. You know, they really put cover in the center of it. Maybe I might give uh, Ben Scott your boy a call. Give him, hit him up. <laughs> yeah, I'll connect you yeah, with the ben, guys from Amazon. Business owners are a crazy bunch. You'll have a laugh with us. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and that was it. That's a big point too. Like I said to you, um, uh, I mean, before we started recording, 
I actually think that the show benefited um, Cohen Handler in a very unique way compared to um, compared to the other two because you're a buyer, it's a buyer's agency, and what the show sh- like demonstrated was what a buyer's agent actually does. Because up until that point, you know, I mean, even of course I knew what a buyer's agency. In fact, we, we've worked together in the past, but but I've never actually seen you in action, yeah, doing what you do. And I thought, like, I was thinking the whole time as I watched the show, I thought, this is great. It's demonstrating what it is that happens, what, what a buyer's agent does behind the scenes. And, like, any business can look at that and be like, wow, you know, because at the in essence you've just created, with, with the help of Amazon obviously, created um, a fantastic piece of content of brand content. Trust me, it doesn't show a lot. You know, there's plenty of tantrums and stressful days and of course, of fighting, course. but it's a snippet. But my point is snippet. any business It is can a look inside content. of of what we do, which has been phenomenal. Yeah, which which would be great, but and any business can do a similar thing. Obviously not the same scale, but they can demonstrate what they do behind the scenes. And maybe business owners should be thinking, how could we create content that kind of emulates what you guys have done with the show, which showcases what we do for our clients behind the scenes. I think you know? it's so important. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, I think I it's so important. I'd, I'd love the show to show more about what we do because we're very passionate about what we do. And I think, you know, for us, we do it with such pride that we want the world to see it. And, and how has it impacted you, uh, the business? How has it impacted Cohen Handler? You know, it's interesting. I mean- Maybe negatives and positives if there are any negatives. I mean, the negatives- people don't really tell you so to your face. So I, d- I don't know. Um, but there's certainly been a lot of positives. Um, the, the, the thing is though, we weren't a business that had no business before. We've always been a big business. And so it's not like we went from one sale a month to a hundred sales a month, you know, if I'm just using that analogy. Um, but we have worldwide exposure. We have clients from around the world. Uh, even though we were getting properties before anyone else before, Owners are now pushing their sellers agents to put them to Cohen Handler first. I mean, we really are at the forefront of getting every opportunity that exists out there um, put at our fingertips before anyone else. We're also getting phenomenal clients. We've become an, an attraction business. You know, we were an attraction business before, but we really are now. What do you mean by attraction business? We, if you're one of our clients, you're a, I would say you're a special person. You know, we work with the best of the best as far as clientele go. Um, and we're at a fortunate position where we get to choose who we work with. And now that the brand recognition is so great, what I mean, your jobs are essentially to find the best purchasing opportunities for for buyers. And we do and that. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And, and now because the brand's so great, you're, you've become a bit of a, from what I understand, a bit of a, a vacuum for these opportunities to come directly to first. And you actually said it a lot clients. better than I do, but I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you, you got this. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but that, that's, I mean, that's a huge benefit and has it impacted your team at all? So, you know, is it, it does it change the dynamic in the team in any way? Are you finding people reaching out to you guys? Oh, a huge influx of people reaching out, but you know, I'll say two things to you. One, we're incredibly picky about who we hire. We hire uh, on two things. One, um, culture. They have to fit our culture. We have a specific culture and that is a a fast-paced, passionate, driven, very close team mentality. Um, And two, experience. And so 
if you don't fit those two things, then you're kind of not going to work with us. And we've had we've had resumes from around the world. I mean, there's the most oddest requests for people who want to come and work for us. And so if someone that's did want to That's another down. podcast. Yeah. Um, so, but one thing about our team is we are all very tight and very humble and, and the the TV show's never been what about our team, never been what our team's been about, right? Our team's always been about just delivering for our clients. The TV show's just been something we've all been part of and that's been great for us and we've had a bit of fun with, but no one's changed or anything's really happened there. And uh, I'm sure there's uh, some su- subscribers to the podcast that uh, are probably like the opportunity to, to try to join the team at Cohen Handler. And what's something that people could do that stand out a bit or what's the best way for someone to approach joining you know, uh, your team? I look at my team now and I look at how a lot of them have joined me and they've really been persistent. And I think that passion and persistence is something that you can't fake, you can't pretend. And if, if, if you have it in a way that you do it eloquently, um, it really does stand out. And I look at, I look at Tom and Dan and, you know, a lot of the young guys who've joined me and, and become – brilliant buyers agents there was something that stood out about them you know and it, it was those things but also a, a humility they were very humble and and i think that's really important yeah be persistent but not annoying and not a wanker yeah yeah that would just be i imagine someone annoying you all the time so so no, i don't want you start getting annoyed by, oh my god by one chick <laughs> i reckon she sent me 12 messages in a row and i was just like are you on acid? Like, what are you doing? I had a well, blocker. I'm, I'm flattering, I then guess. Then the 13th message was, sorry, I've sent you so many messages. Ha ha. I'm like, not <laughs> ha ha. Bye bye. And um, I mean, the show's obviously been, we've been focusing on the show because it's um, something that's been a big impact in your life as of recent and, and of course your business. But what about COVID? Show aside, how has COVID impacted uh, your business and, and, uh, and also the market? So when COVID happened, I made a decision. Um, I made it this COVID and I made it last that I'm not going to let COVID impact my business. And so it made me even more driven to to prove something to myself. And that is that we're not going to let a pandemic or, or, or something like this ruin what we've worked so hard for. It has been awful in the sense that I can't walk into the office every day and be around my team. And you don't understand that unless you have a team that you love. And I'm sure there's a lot of business owners or people who work in teams that are listening to this and, and are missing that too. You can't explain what it's like, but you walk in and you see the team and there's the energy and the passion and the fire and 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 that every day has been really hard, right? I miss that and I, and, and I know my whole company misses that too. Um, so from a, from a culture and a, you know, a team perspective, it's been really hard. But from a business perspective, you know, fortunately, and, and we are incredibly fortunate, it's been a phenomenal few months. Phenomenal. Why is that though? So why why was business good through COVID? <sighs> like I'm talking more transactionally rather. Yeah, than there's been a lot of buyers. We found a lot of opportunities, and we've just been working so hard to to close phenomenal deals. And it's just it's been a a, a massive few months. Has it been a switch from on market deals to more off market? Eighty percent of the deals we do are off market. And is that more so than it was prior? Usually, to COVID? it's probably sixty percent. Okay, so it's jumped up. Oh yeah. Huge, huge amounts, huge amounts often pre-market. And what do you think has driven that, that additional 20%? I think COVID. I think a lot of people don't want people through their house. They don't want, you, you can't really have heaps of people through your house. 
People are, are not wanting to spend on marketing in case things happen. You know, there's a, there's a huge reason. And that's been a phenomenal for our business. I mean, if you think about the fact that at least 80% of what we buy, more in my marketplace, 90% is awful pre-market, you need us. It, well, it's actually made you more important in the sense Correct. because you need off-market us. is when the buyer's agent, it's most valuable. Yeah, well, when the market was super hot and everything was going to auction, people needed us to close deals, not at auction. I think that's when we, you know, that was 80 episodes ago. I don't know if you remember, everything was going to auction and you needed to be able to close before auction. It is different now. That's true. That's actually what you said in that episode. Yeah. That episode's also our, our highest listened to episode ever. And it's and funny. It's, I think my voice is the worst voice you that, can listen but to. It's but it's weird too because that episode, it's the second episode, we had no subscribers or listeners at that point. We just started um, so, I mean, hopefully this one beats that one even. But but um, you said something really interesting before that I wanted to touch on, which was that you wanted to prove to yourself that COVID wasn't going to fuck with you, you know, that, that you could you could still push through this. And I, I relate to that a lot because, and I reckon a lot of business owners do, it's kind of like, okay, the world's falling over, but you know what, I believe I can – I can get through this. And that's almost the most important factor. It's so funny. We all read books. I don't read it a lot or enough, but we all know that when the shit hits the fan, that's the time to go your hardest. Like I wish I bought Afterpay shares last COVID at $8, right? My mind was telling me to do it, but I didn't do it. And so I see opportunity when these things happen and there was opportunity and there was business and and our entire team has done incredibly well. And so I think it's it's just been... We've been fortunate that the real estate market has been strong, but we have worked incredibly hard to make sure we've been at the forefront of that market. And uh, the team, the team all love each other. You've got a great culture. It's obviously a high-paced team. It's a high-performing team. Mm. Was that always the case or did did that take time to actually build that? Everything takes right time. There? I mean, you know, you and I have spoken. I had a business partner for a long time and, you know, I had a buy him out. It wasn't the the – the healthiest relationship in the end. And, you know, that divides people and that divides a culture. And since then, I, you know, I've really been incredibly fussy at handpicking the people I want to join my team who are aligned with, you know, my beliefs and my goals and my ethics. And, and so that's, that's what's made us all so tight. Yeah. So, so being, being, a, I guess, a sole owner, has, has enabled you to build a, a better cultural team. Yeah, but I look at all of the team as as our owners because with without them, we don't really have a business. Yeah, 100%. That's always – that's always uh, my old man used to say uh, the employment the, – like your your what's it called, the hierarchy pyramid or whatever. He goes, you know, you, like a triangle. He goes, that's wrong. You're supposed to turn it upside down yeah. because the people at the – There's no hierarchy anymore. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we live in those days where there's a – True. A president who sits in his big office with his gold Rolex and his suit and tie and – it just doesn't. It doesn't yeah, happen anymore. I agree. A team is that. It's Correct. a team. They all need each other. Correct. In order. We all do need each other. Yeah. Michael Jordan couldn't win a win a six champ. Well, did he win six or seven championships? Whatever it was, without a team. Correct. None so, of us could do what we do without our teams. Yeah. Most important thing. And and what's what are your expectations for the property market over the next five years? Because uh, I know, like myself, for example, I'm like, surely it can't get higher. What's going to happen? How is could it crash? Could inflation creep uh, creep up and, and then interest rates have to be increased? Could uh, overseas uh, travel and investment um, you bring buyers from overseas and could it take money outside of Australia when people travel? There's all these factors that are up in the air. What do you think 
how do you see the next? All I can well, say to five you is a long time. Let's go two. Five or three. years is a long time. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. Twelve years. Not one person's ever said to me, "Thank God I waited to buy." Right? <laughs> yeah. Not once. It's so true. And every year, every single year, I think to myself, "How can the market get any hotter?" And every year, I waited on buying more, which I should have done because if I had bought more last year and the year before, I'd be a multimillionaire. Um, and so all I can say is, we live in a city where. Real estate is such a valuable commodity. There is such a supply and demand um, frenzy that I don't know where it can go. But where it is now, I never thought it would be, right? And, I mean, on, on the counter argument, argument to what I said and pro you, it's that Sydney has, it's, I guess, geographically um, positioned in a way of which there's just a constant push towards properties along the water. Yep. And with a very, I mean, Australia has almost no people in it, 25 million or whatever it is for such a large country. Surely you're going to expect that the population is going to have to increase, which means that the pressure towards the, towards the water and the property prices towards that way, you know, yeah, can listen, only, can only kind of go up. On your point, there is only a certain amount of waterfronts and too many people who want them, but let's take Sydney itself, right? The CBD of Sydney, the surrounding suburbs, there are only a, certain number of good properties and there are plenty of people who want to buy them and you're always going to have that supply and demand model. We're going to see record low interest rates stay record low for the next two years if two years is your question. And they announced that, wasn't that? They, they yeah, said that they're, they're not going to jump up like that in a second anyway. It, it, just, it just doesn't work like that. Everyone will go under. If that happens, then the market will crash, but I can't see that happening. Um, we are going to see uh, the borders open at some stage and you're going to have a huge influx of expats and a huge influx of overseas investors wanting to buy. In an already heated market, we're going to have the same amount of stock and more people wanting it. I don't need to explain to you what that means, right? Um, and then, you know, you've got shows like Lux Listings, which has showed the world what a phenomenal place Sydney is. How beautiful. No joke. No one knew how unbelievable Sydney was. I mean, I can tell you I've done interviews with journalists from around the world and every one of them wants to get on a plane and come to Sydney now because it, it has showcased what an amazing city it is. And you are going to see an influx of, of, of investors and buyers from that. And so everything I've said to you is more buyers, but still the, the same amount of stock. And so I'm no genius. I'm no mathematician, but to me, it points that the market will continue to grow. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a fairly common consensus I hear from a lot of people. It's just, and everyone says the same thing. I said, can it get higher? And then, like, you know, I'd ask someone, they say, yeah, I said that 10 years ago and I said yep. that five years ago. Yep. And you just don't know. But I look I at mean, semis no in North knows. Bondi and not so long ago they were 1.2 million and then they went from 1.2 million to 1.8 million. And I was like, wow. And then from 1.8 million, I'm talking about a shitty two-bedroom semi. And then from 1.8 million, they went to 2.2 million and so on and so on. They're now 3.6 million. Like who would have ever thought this? But that's just that's just the market. I know. It's just, it's hard to, it, it's almost becoming impossible to buy something uh, you want. Uh, unless you're with Cohen Handler, I would say <laughs> it is impossible to buy. Yeah. There's no love, question about that. I love your, I love your commitment to the cause. Um, and, and, and I only speak on, the facts. Yeah. And on those facts, where are you finding the best opportunities and buyers for your clients at the moment? Where, where do you think are areas of which you can find buyers or methods of which you can? You know, we're finding opportunities everywhere in every market we're in. You know, the point of using us is finding those opportunities. I think you, you want to continue to buy in 
areas that are always going to have growth, not just growth because the market's growing. And I still think blue chip suburbs are always the way to go. You know, um, it's amazing to see how Byron and the Central Coast and Noosa and all these holiday places are growing. But, you know, I'm a big believer in if you're buying something for an investment for a long term, buy buy as close to the city as you can, buy as close to the beach as you can because there's always going to be reasons why people want to live there and rent there. Yeah, and I guess it, it it's confirms what I was talking about in terms of geographically the money's getting pushed towards the water and so so long as you're there, I mean – the value is going to be pushed towards you. Yep. And and what do you guys actually do as buyers agents? What are the I guess levers or tools you have uh, to to find and identify these purchases for your client? And also, you know what the question I had that I was thinking about before you come that I've me. never asked you. How long do you? How long will you look? So, for example, if I said to you, "Hey, I want to buy an investment property, um, uh, nothing over four million, um, something in Bondi." Um, or, or surrounding, I just say Bondi, it's an investment, not somewhere to live though. Um, how long will you guys actually look yep. for or keep me on the books looking? Which question am I answering first? Yeah, do, do that last one I just asked. The I, last I, question I we'll look for as long as it takes to find the right property at the right price. Okay. Yeah, so you might hand one, I'll be like, nah, I don't, I don't like that for X. Hand another one, I don't like that. And until there's one that I've, I find that, yes, that's the one, I, I think that's good investment, then I could buy that. Correct. Amazing. Are people paying a retainer for that time? You pay one retainer, that's it. The, which it's comes the off, initial Which comes fee. off the end fee, yeah. Okay, so you pay an initial fee and that comes off the final. Mm-hmm. The, Just the so final I know you're payment. serious and. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Otherwise you'd be dealing with a bunch of people who. Every Tom, Dick well, and Harry, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I want to buy a property. Yeah. <laughs> also, and what was the question I asked before? I can't the remember. The question you asked before was what tools and tricks do we need? And I guess I'd say to you, I'd say to you, buddy, um, a magician never reveals his tricks so uh i I can't tell you that but let's just say the tricks are there and they work so we'll have to stick with that okay well i I mean i respect that let's get to a question i was excited to ask as well which was what are your ambitions now for cohen handler what is in your near future what are are you guys aiming to become and do we want to just continue doing what we do and that is be the market leaders in in this in this field and you know i think as far as growth goes it's just about offering that in more areas and more cities um than we already do with more great buyers agents and more great experienced agents um you know i can tell you a secret um that is we'll be opening in perth soon and it'll be a continuation of of announcements like that um where we continue to grow in areas that we're not in but it's funny some people want to have a business with thousands of people I don't want that. I want to have a big enough business with enough people that are all aligned, that all deliver what we need to deliver, and that that's perfect for me. I agree. I actually had this conversation with someone the other day. More people is more cost. It's more cost. It's more headache, and it dilutes your service and your reputation. Yeah, the brand essence. And those are the – one thing I've learned being in business for as long as I have, reputation and service are the most important things. I genuinely, genuinely feel sick and lose sleep. And Tammy will tell you this because she's the one I probably speak to the most when I feel like we, we haven't delivered yet for our clients. I can imagine. I, I, know how, I also that. personally know how passionate you are about, Very. about what you do. And all much, our guys are like that. How much you love it. And, and what regions are you in currently in Australia or whatever? Because you're in Queensland, I know that. We're in New you South got a, Wales. You've got a great team in Queensland, don't you? Queensland's huge. Yeah. We're in Victoria. We'll be in Perth, 
Um, Did, a few have you announced Perth yet, or was that the kind of first time? I just sealed the deal this morning, actually, so I haven't actually announced it. So there's your there's Okay, your so this is the first time spoken about it. <laughs> um, and something else that you've done recently is you've partnered up with one of my best friends, Taz Costi. Correct. And launched Costi Cohen, got into a new – a new, I guess, sector of the buyer's agent market, which is commercial commercial buyer's agency. Um, what were you, what were your, what was your thinking around that? So Taz Taz worked with me for two years in business. I think you have to, and I, by no means do I think I'm a phenomenal business person, but I think it's pretty obvious that in business you need to look for the opportunities that that lie in your marketplace or in any marketplace to create something. There was no full service, dedicated commercial buyers agency that existed. You know, we dominated the residential and investment side of things. And so the idea was to partner up with someone phenomenal like Taz, who shares a lot of the same um, things that I share as far as ethics and drive and, and, and passion and create what hasn't existed before. And Thus, Costi Cohen was born. Yeah. Do you know his episode was a couple episodes before? It was a great this. episode. Yeah, I actually asked him, how did he get the Costi before the Cohen? What happened there? What was the negotiating? It sounded things? better. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound good. But brain, and, brain over ego, right? And how's that business growing? How's it going? What are the plans for that to become, I guess, to just become equal in size to the residential arm? Yeah, or- look, I think our plans are for that to happen, but- you, I think when you force things, they don't happen. You know, the business is growing organically really well. It 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 very much um, coincides with Cohen Handler. Uh, you know, a lot of our high net worth clients in Cohen Handler look for commercial and development opportunities that Costi Cohen represents them on. And so, I think it's just it's again finding the right people, growing the brand, doing the you know the same things we did in Cohen Handler as far as delivering for our customers and and the business will grow that way, you know. And and really, I mean, I know a lot of developers and I've, I've heard that finding new, develop, finding new sites is becoming increasingly harder and harder. I guess that drives the need for the commercial side because uh, they've got a team uh, like you guys that's dedicated to finding good sites. Well, them, they're right? experienced. They're experts in that market. They're dealing in that market all day, every day. They understand it. Um, and that, that to me is the most important thing, right? If, if I was doing something, I'd want to go to someone who knows it a lot better than I do. You know, we talked about me buying a house. I've employed people to design it for me because it's not my expertise, right? It's the same when you're buying a place. Yeah. And I know for a fact, you got a great deal on your house. I hired myself. It's evident, yeah. evident to your skill set. <laughs> I hired myself. And if I was buying something, an owner occupier, I want to buy something for myself to live in. I'm going to buy some, or, or I'm going to buy an investment. What's the difference in approach? So two very different approaches. If you're buying something to live in, it's an emotional play. You know, it's, it depends on where you want to be. Is it near schools, near beaches? Uh, do you want to have a big house and rather be further away from the city? Do you want to have a smaller house and be closer to the city? It's, it's more about lifestyle. When it's an investment, it's all about growth and return, right? And emotion needs to be thrown out the door. It needs to be about buying something that is 
back to what we spoke about before, always going to have reasons for growth and not reasons why you think if you stand on the balcony, the tree across the road is really pretty. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two very different things. And obviously you then help the clients. Just If it's investment, look, these are the key metrics that we look at. Absolutely. Forget everything else. These are the metrics. And it's interesting. When you live and breathe a marketplace every day like we do, we see where things go crazy in auctions and where things don't. And we see what what the majority Mm. of the marketplace wants. So we know what people want when they buy. You know, we bought someone a house two years ago for six point three million off market. They just sold it at auction for eleven point two three million dollars in two years, years, right? Two years. Two years they they pretty much doubled their money. Um we bought someone a semi uh eleven months ago for three point nine million. She just sold it off market for five point three million. Um, it's, it's the, we, we just know when we buy what will sell for so much money afterwards. You know what we should do? I don't know if I've told you, but at Cub next year, we've got uh, this new networking service on top of our current one call. Um, we've called it Cub Communities. And yep. basically, um, we've built industry and interest groups within the club that members can opt into. Um, and the, each group has, you know, a monthly meeting. Basically, it's supposed to allow members to connect with other business owners that have something in common with them, whether it be an industry and interest. We've launched the first group, which is uh, investors into business, like venture capitalists. We've, so we've, we know now we've got 129 venture capitalists within, within CUB, either interested or active. One of the groups we're doing is going to be a property investment group, people that are interested and active in property investment. And... Maybe we could do something together. Maybe we could have, you know, f- for the regular monthly meetings or whatever. Maybe you guys can plug in. It's very and bring, cool. Bring we'd, opportunities, we'd bring insight. Cool. I like it. Awesome, man. Well, like I said before, I'm so um, so happy to hear uh, all the wins you've been having as a as a friend, as a cub member, uh, and as someone that I've watched uh, go through a lot of, like, for example, the business partner change, changing offices, rebuilding teams building this, this, I guess, this huge platform that you've built now. It's just so nice to see. And um, a lot has happened in, in 80 episodes time. Huh? Man, and, and it's so good to see how much you've grown and how, how many people are now part of the, the group and how, how strong the brand and reputation is. So I'm very happy for you too. Good. Thank you, man. Well, to the listeners, if you haven't listened to Simon's first episode, which is the second episode ever done, um, it's all it's it's actually more about your journey, your your story in business, how you started, how you came up with the idea, and the and the journey to how we got to to that point in time. Um, so I highly recommend checking that out. You can find it at cub.club forward slash podcast. Um, go check that out, Simon. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. I'll tell you one thing. Tell me. If business doesn't work out, you'd be a really good radio host. It just <laughs> nah, rolls off the tongue. Nah, I, w- I, I wouldn't. I listen to myself sometimes and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, what try I- watching yourself in TV. Yeah, you want to vomit. Yeah, I know. Anyway, I w- it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually relating to you when you were saying you were watching yourself. in Because t- when I listen Ugh. to myself in the podcast, I'm like, God, what did I do? But anyway, you do get well, better. You're very good. You're yeah, very good. Thank you, man. Guys, hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me.